Hey listener, this is Out of Beta. My name is Peter Soom and my co-host is Matt Wensing. Matt is the founder of Summit and I'm the founder of Reform and on this podcast you get to follow along on our startup journeys. If you're a new listener, don't forget to check out our website on autobeta.fm to find our entire back catalog. Hey Matt. Hey Peter. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> oh, you didn't think you were going to come back? <laughs> well, not after this weekend. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. I just went for a walk with a friend, Michelle, from uh, the Geocodio, Deploy Empathy. <laughs> yes. Michelle Empathy. Michelle Empathy. Yeah, because we don't live too far from each other, so we just went for like a walk and talk. Talk shop, which is uh, nice. Always, I love meeting up with other founders in real life and have conversations cool. about things that I don't know anyone else to talk about. <laughs> who can talk yeah. about, you know? Yeah, yeah. No one else in your house is quite as interested in startups in general. Literally was just trying to like get my excited about headless forms and I, I just couldn't. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm staring at a revenue chart that's tilted in the right direction and that makes me happy. That's awesome. Cool. Well, we're off to a good start then. I got like a bunch of notes because we didn't record last week. Because yeah. it was like the week from hell. <laughs> and I ended up having to go to the hospital for the fourth time this year with mm. my kid, which kind of mm. sucks, but it's all good now. And uh, there's a plan now, which I feel good about. Yeah. So do you want to go first or go last? We'll do like a good old updates episode. I can go first. Last week was a pretty big week because we announced the... We launched. We didn't just do the go live, which I, I know we've talked about before in this podcast, but we, we did the launch thing. You did, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I teased you over Slack that uh, it was okay that we didn't record because, you know, there wasn't anything to talk about really in my <laughs> world. <laughs> but this has just let a few more days go by, and I'm trying to remember because it was all kind of a blur which day which day exactly was it last week. Um, I'll remember at some point during this talk, but it went well. The tweet got seen a lot, and yeah, the, the, let's describe maybe the launch in parts. So there was the tweet, but we actually had a product change that we really wanted to get in before we shared everything. Kind of quietly went live with things the week before. Then last week, we had some bug fixes and things, but then Peter changed the onboarding flow to be a lot better in some ways that uh, won't be obvious to anyone now, but when you click templates or start a new project, we actually load up in the app, like pick a template. And we actually went live the week before without that. So if you click templates, it took you out of the app to a web page where we had all the templates listed. That was very suboptimal onboarding flow and we knew it, but we just really didn't want to add yet another thing to our go live list. So we didn't, and instead we went live the week before and after using it for several business days, <laughs> Peter just realized this is not good enough. We need this to be in the app. So we made that change. That went into the app. And we also included the embeds feature so that people could embed their apps once they built them. And with those two changes, we felt like, okay, we can truly launch this, share this, and it has all the main features people expect. We won't immediately have to answer questions from people like, well, how do I embed it? Or how do I start from a template? <laughs> Which would not be good launch day questions. So, What does embedding we, look like now? I haven't seen it. 
Yeah, embedding basically means that you can take just the form area, but charts, table, and input fields, and it's an iframe, so basic embedding, if you will, but you just put that iframe in your site. We already have people doing it. And in most scenarios where you control, you know, where you control the HTML, it just appears in your site. And you can restrict that to only work for certain domains. So if you have your own custom domain, that API key will only work for that domain. So obviously we're leaving those kinds of things to our customers as much as possible in terms of protecting their API keys and whatnot, but basic embedding. And we signed up to, what's the word I'm looking for? Compliant with a partner with Medley, I believe. And the heck's the name of the other one, the one that you use? Iframely. Iframely, yes. So I think we started that process, but we'll talk about that separate. That's gonna come down the road. But for now, the embed is just a real simple iframe that you can put in your page and you know, out of the, let's say, almost two dozen people that had very strong interest immediately in, in signing up and using the new, the new platform, all but a handful wanted embedding. They wanted to just take, <laughs> they wanted to just take what you see on a Summit app page and put the form portion on some web page of theirs somewhere. And I've now seen several in the wild, and it's so exciting. I mean, you have, you get this every day because you see people embedding your forms in their sites, but to see a Summit app with its charts and tables and input fields and run button and somebody else's website, you know, making their sites uh, more interactive is just really, really satisfying, man. So that went live and again, so did templates. So we launched it, we emailed our customers, we emailed the users that aren't customers and we emailed past customers that had churned, basically thanking them all for the role they played, telling them about the new summit and what you can do now with the platform, uh, which was over it was thousands. It was between three and 5,000 folks that got that email. And then I tweeted it out, of course, to everyone. And that felt felt amazing. I mean, it was a big relief for the team just to get that launched and share it with the world and be loud about it for a day. And this was four days ago. So again, was that Thursday then? So Sunday, Saturday. Yeah, this was Thursday. So late last week. And since then, things have been really good. I think we had one bug to fix the night after we launched that we discovered because the extra usage, but everything's been stable and looking good. As I said, new subscriptions, new users, new testimonials. I'll, I wanted to say, you know, just in terms of the market response, it's two sides. One is people are buying the new subscription. So we released a new subscription level and we announced it. It's $24 a month. And then embedding and API usage is usage-based, it's extra. We include a few runs on those, uh, on those, on that plan, but you then pay extra for the additional runs. However, if you're just building apps and publishing them as public apps, which people are already doing as well, then that's all included and that's free. So if you publish something on usesummit.com and we host it, and we can share it with the world and get that traffic as well, that's included in the price. And we also changed the free forever plan to a free trial. So we no longer have a free forever free trial. Now it's credits based, if you will, or usage limited. So if you don't use all those tokens, if you will, those credits, it's still free. But at some point, if you use it enough, kind of like the Dropbox two gigabyte threshold or any other threshold based or capacity based free trial, you will hit that eventually and you'll have to upgrade. But I think the thing that's different now than, than was say three weeks ago is we're now getting repeated inbound 
interest from founders and sales teams and marketers who say, I get this, I want this, how do I get it? Here's what I want. <laughs> and, and I am building those apps for them for now to help them out, especially if they don't know how to use the tool. So I'm, I'm doing sort of concierge service to get them up and running. But more often than not, the prospect has multiple ideas for how they want to use this. So they want to use it as a part of their landing pages. They want to use it for their sales team to quote prices and show prospects the ROI of adopting their tools. They may want to write a blog post and embed a calculator in a blog post. And then I had a call this morning with somebody there in New York, New York-based startup seed funded. And they want to try using it by API to power calculators directly in their apps. So instead of you know, a lot of apps have core functionality that might send emails or do certain things with, you know, CRM kind of data, like this is their core functionality. But then around that, they want to add analytics or forecasts or calculators that just help engage their audience or their users. They're very interested in just being able to connect a summit model to their app, to their internal app and be able to call it that way. So for them, we'd be essentially product infrastructure you know, like a Twilio API or Mailgun API or anything else that is very exciting. So I feel like even though I'm doing this concierge onboarding and higher touch sales, these accounts are potentially significant. I mean, they're important because they're like the first new wave of accounts and I want to make sure they go well. But I also feel like there's significant upside in most of them, which makes it really worthwhile for us to do the work, even though the initial price is, is low. Has it been a challenge to basically figure out a pricing model that works for those different types of users? Because it sounds very different, like someone who is using it to sign up leads versus someone who is using it to basically run their product or as like a core part of their product. Yeah, it has been. So there's one other element to this that we're still working on. The pricing model is a lot more flexible, but the challenge was keeping it simple while also being flexible is, is, is really hard. So we studied a number of tools on the low code, no code data science side to really think through what should the price be for an editor, for a user, for a viewer. So think about some tools people may or may not know, but you know, I'll pick like Figma because it's easy or bubble. You know, you pay a price just to use those tools as an editor or an admin or a viewer. So we thought through that layer and said, okay, we have some people who want to do that. What should those prices be? And we came out with 24 bucks a month for editors, $5 a month for viewers. So if you have somebody who doesn't intend to build anything, but they just want to be able to log in and see the apps and maybe see statistics, you can get those logins. So that, that part's working, I'd say, for, for all of these use cases because you have that flexibility already of editor versus viewer. The trickier part is the usage-based pricing, and then embeds versus API. And so I'll just say the way we're thinking about it now is the usage-based price, the list prices on the website right now is five, five cents per run of the model. So it says five cents per API call. If you're using the API or embeds, that's the lowest volume price. So we're gonna scale that price down, discount it for higher volume. But in that, in that Light, if you think about doing, you know, a thousand runs a month would be 50 bucks more a month. So maybe your $24 charge is now $74 because you use it a thousand times this month. So it doesn't get crazy, but 
where it gets interesting for everyone or for us and maybe for them is you're like, well, I'm going to do 10,000 calls or 50,000 calls or something. Well, then obviously we're going to negotiate and get that price down. But in that sense, it's usage-based. Some of our early adopters, however, are putting these calculators on blog posts or websites that are more outside of their funnel or much higher in their funnel or separate from their funnel. It's more like just a thought leadership piece or a community. And in those cases, we, a little bit like Reform, being able to put our name on there, you know, and, and say powered by, or in our case, having sponsored by and saying Summit is something that they're okay with because that will drive traffic to us. And we can say, you know, get your own free calculator at usummit.com <laughs> and just drive awareness and drive our own top of funnel while not charging them because now it's sponsored. It's no longer white labeled. And they're okay with that because if you have a calculator inside your own product <laughs> or if it's in the bottom of your funnel, you obviously don't want a sponsorship on it. But we're willing to trade that free usage, so no usage-based pricing in exchange for essentially some real estate on the calculator to promote a sponsor, which in this case, to start out is us, right? And that could go other directions. So that's relatively, that's a brand new <laughs> discovery even since last week where we had our first user come to us and say, I want to use this, but I want to put it inside of a community with a thousand people in it. I'm not interested in paying, you know, for thousands and thousands of model runs. What can we do? And we said, well, with that kind of volume, that's great exposure for us. How about a sponsorship model? And they loved it. So that was very easy at that point. So keeping us on our toes, but it feels like with that set of choices that we're able to meet, sort of fit into just about anybody's use case so far. Yeah, sounds like you yeah. thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we thought about everything we could think about ahead of time, and then we had our, you know, already within the last week, you know, more people uh, raise their hand and say, well, what about if I do this? And I mean, very few of these, none of these new sales have required me to go back to um, Ryan or Peter or John and say, hey, we need to add this feature or we need to build something new or a whole new thing. It's just it's just configuration on the product that we already have, which is yeah, amazing, you know? It's just... You said like two weeks or three weeks ago that you, every day when you woke up, you knew what you had to do. Like you didn't have to like think about like, what, what do I do today? Like there's yeah. like very obvious things that you need to do right now because people are wanting yeah. demos and stuff like that. It is. I will say there was a scary, this, this is it's a fun topic. So I, I shared, before the website even went live, I shared a screenshot of it inside the Tiny Seed Slack. And we talked about this. Got a big little little pop in interest, we'll call it big, but which is very exciting. And then we didn't go live for a while <laughs> and we didn't launch. And so I was kind of coasting on that pop of interest and I was getting like, you know, you just get the little bit worried that maybe, maybe just maybe, I'm fooling myself again. Again, like I had this interest, it felt different. It's different this time, but then it kind of waned, and that was scary to be honest because it hit that high, and then you're like, wow, you know, 12 new leads in one day, and they're really strong, and then suddenly, like a week goes by, and you're like, okay, it's really not quite as many. Maybe we're not, but then we went live. And I saw this little buzz on Twitter. 
people talking about it without us even announcing it. And then launch day really helped confirm that it wasn't just a one-time thing. So with launch day, with going live and then launch day, I've got a fresh wave of leads, which are bigger than the ones before. And they're coming from, what's really exciting is they're coming from kind of secondary and tertiary sources. Like a founder says, oh, you know, I know somebody that works over here, you know, and I think they're going to love this. I can't wait to tell them about it. And so it's, it's, I see the word of mouth happening where people are getting it so strongly that they're telling other people and then they're coming as inbound leads. And that's, that's really great because sure, if I throw a rock into this lake enough times and cause ripples, you know, I can get more sales out of the same lake, you know, over and over again. It's like, but seeing other people carrying the message out and bringing more leads in and the website doing its job of representing us and then generating interest. Super encouraging because it's like, oh, I'm finally not doing all of the, all the hustling, all the lifting, you know. Sir, did you say leads or seeds? Because you said you started <laughs> in tiny seed, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no. Bad uh, joke. Bad joke. <laughs> Leads and seeds of leads. Medium seeds now, medium to large. Definitely medium to large. I talked to one company that's very, well, here's the thing that's cool is that some of these companies are like series B, series C funded now that I'm talking to. So there's still startups. You know, I won't deny that we're still in that startup echo chamber, but the companies that are interested now and have some have become customers are like series B scaling startups. So when we're selling the users are not, it's not the founder of a three-team, you know, company or three-person team. It's the founder hears about it or somebody hears about it and now we're being used by people on the sales team or people on the marketing team. And I think that's like the most encouraging thing in all of this is that the buyers, the users are not the C-level. They don't have to be the C-level. It's just the rank and file, if you will, the contributors, the work workers on the teams are the ones who say, I want this and I want to use this because then suddenly, you know, your market, there's only so many founders per company, right? So if you're always selling to founders, it's like every company's got one or two of those, maybe three. But when sales team members of companies get excited, that makes me happy because there's a lot more salespeople out there than there are founders. And we can repeat that hopefully with many other companies. And, and I will say meta comment, and I love this, so keep it coming if you're thinking the same thought. People have not been shy about telling me that they really love the new direction and that they didn't get it as much before and they get it now. And that's kind of funny because obviously some of them even listen to this podcast and it's the same thing we talked about. Yeah, I've listened to you talk about Summit for like over a year now, but now it makes sense. <laughs> and so I really want to, I feel like I could team up with April Dunford for a killer podcast episode or something at some point, just talk about positioning. And, and just how much difference that makes because I think that's made half the difference this time around. I think the product features is one thing. Might even say without the positioning update, the product features, we'd still be struggling because they'd be there, but people would go like, so what is this though exactly? Have you listened to the acquired episode about Amazon yet? Yes, I just finished. They talk a lot about like basically like connecting the dots and like they're talking about like how when you look back at Amazon from the big, basically Jeff Bezos' life, it's like a straight line <laughs> to where Amazon is today. But it often is in hindsight, and it, it's probably going to look like a straight line when you look back at Summit eventually. But 
it's never felt like a straight line. Yeah. And it's kind of sad because there's, there's a under, there's something about that episode. So uh, acquired FM, uh, for those that don't listen, I, I love it. They go in company history and they, they have a very honest assessment of Amazon. Like you said, where it's just a bunch of dots and he called Amazon like a fact finding engine, which is to say, I like that breadth first search kind of figuring out what works, what doesn't work, you know, Fire phones, A9 search engines, uh, marketplace auctions with eBay, like a lot of stuff that failed. And then you have AWS <laughs> and like a lot of, and Prime and a lot of stuff that worked. And I also happen to know, cause I've read the Everything Store book or I've listened to it twice. Cause I just, I get something, I got something new out of it the second time. It's just fantastic. Brad Stone wrote the Everything Store, but in it, they go into detail about Jeff Bezos struggles fundraising and how hard it was for him to fundraise. And I, I can't help but empathize a little bit in terms of when you're very intellectually honest and you do take an agile or lean approach and you test, test, test things and you're trying to figure out what works and you, you fail and you come back in, in a way that projects weakness in a way that it, it shouldn't. It, it kind of comes across as you're just guessing. You don't know what you're doing, but it is actually the right way to discover what the market needs and wants and values and it's working. But when you fundraise, when you pitch, you have to actually do the hindsight is 2020 narrative because very few people can handle or want to hear or truly understand the bouncing around that it took to get to where you are, right? They want to look back. We all want that story of like, I woke up one day, I had this idea, I tried this, it needed to be adjusted, so I did, and then it just started working, and then, oh my gosh, isn't this great? And like, they'll they'll tolerate a little bit of discovery process because we all know that you know experimentation and all this stuff but sometimes it's such an indirect road that i think most of the audience just their eyes glaze over and they're like okay can you get to the exciting part where you like you have the breakthrough and you and you you solve the problem and you know i i I, i'm going to be intellectually honest with this story i i I hope always and say it's been an indirect path it's on it's in the podcast it's in the podcast, it's in my tweets, it's in the story. I can't get away from that. But at the same time, like if I look at what we have today and I go back to the first episode of this podcast or when I raise money from Tiny Seed, I actually have a really hard time imagining how on earth that version of me could have possibly just skipped to what we've built now and understood why that's the thing to build. You know, Even if I'd given that person a blueprint and said, build this, how why you know i don't i don't understand why we're building this and so although it looks indirect i think that's also perhaps the shortest path like i don't know that there's an actual plausible path straight to the top of the mountain and i'll finish with this thought because i want to hear how your week went there's a professor for the university of south florida i think it is in tampa computer science professor or is it university of central florida anyway computer science professor he did a podcast circuit or two recently where he talks about the impossibility of sort of pointing to an invention or pointing to the finished thing and just getting straight there. And he did a bunch of experiments where it turned out that the stepping stones required to get to the finished thing, those intermediate steps, they don't look like they're halfway from here to there. You know, if, if you if you drew a straight line from here to where you want to go and you kind of envisioned what's in between, these stepping stones don't look like they belong 
to that. They look like they're off course. And so his point is, even through all this data and experimentation, he doesn't know that we're capable of just going straight to the thing. You kind of have to have these detours that build on each other. So I empathize with all that. It kind of reminds me of the the quote we had a few weeks ago about how startups don't die when they run out of money, they die when they run out of motivation. And I think that is kind of like, do you have steam enough to like keep going until you figure it out? Yeah. Some people figure it out with a, not a lot of steam, but sometimes, oftentimes, it just requires an insane amount of it. Yeah, agreed. A lot of the most famous startups that we know about started building something and built something else along the way, and that became the thing. And that that at least that pattern is out there. So perhaps if you're in this situation like I am, you can talk about that pattern of, hey, I was trying to build this one thing, realized that the more interesting thing was the was the other thing I was building. And I feel like that's kind of been a bit of our journey. So yeah, man, uh, it's good. good week. How are you? I'm good. Before I give my update, I'll just mention Eduflow, which is our sponsor for anyone <laughs> who hadn't heard <laughs> heard that yet, because they've been a sponsor for a couple of months now and will be for another month because they're a seasoned sponsor. And Eduflow is a really cool company kind of in our community. And uh, the founder, David, did a great interview with uh, you and I, which is we're about to release the third part of that episode or that interview and the two first already in the feed. The first one is about how they kind of got the idea for the product and kind of scratched their own itch as uh, David was a PhD student. The second part is where they join YC and get Google as their first corporate customer. And uh, stay tuned for part three. (laughs) If you want to do anything related to learning inside of your own company, you should definitely check out Eduflow. Uh, I'll just read their H1 uh, from the website, which says that they're an easier, more powerful platform to manage social learning at scale. And they have a ton of different building blocks that you could use to put together really interesting and engaging learning experiences. And they're giving 50% off for the first year to all of our listeners. If you go to eduflow.com slash out of beta and then I will talk about my update. Well, before I talk about my update, I just want to just want to mention something I thought about when I was on YouTube the other day because I'm obsessed with this new YouTube channel that's called Project Camp, Camp with a K, and it's it's some like Dutch designers that bought a huge piece of land in Portugal, <laughs> which was like just forest basically and some ruins. And then for like one and a half years now, they've just been like turning it into sort of like a co-living community. And like, hmm. you know, they've been like dugging wells and figured out electricity and running water and all this stuff. But just, I just had like this thought about it that they're always looking for camera people because apparently it's hard to find camera people that want to like go to Portugal and hang out for free and work for free, of course, also. <laughs> but they get like millions of views. And I was just thinking, like, if I wanted to start a career as a camera person or, like, kind of get into that world, there's, like, people on YouTube that are getting millions of views that need help. (laughs) And they're getting more views than, like, national TV in Denmark does. And that's, like, a really difficult place to get in, you know? (laughs) And it probably applies to a lot of things that we want to learn or want to do or get involved in. Yeah, it does actually that's uh tony fidel who in, you could probably credit with him with being the inventor of the ipod and co co-inventor of the iphone he said that the number one question you should ask yourself when you are first getting a job is what do i want to learn 
and go go join a company where you're going to learn that as great advice. That's a nice carve out. Yeah, I just thought about that and I wrote it down in my notes because I cool. I just thought it was like a cool thing. Yeah. I also like am like apparently almost like starting a new conference. <laughs> did you see my tweet about going on a hike? I I did. This is turning into hike conf. Yeah, I tweeted about like if people wanted to go for a hike in Denmark and like just like hang out with other SaaS people and talk about business and do masterminding and workshops and stuff. I think almost 20,000 people have seen that tweet now. And like a lot of people from like the States, Portugal, the Netherlands, the UK are like saying they want to come to Denmark and go for a walk with me, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So it just kind of blew up. And I've had this idea for a while that I wanted to do something in this little town that we live in now because I I think it's a cool place and I kind of want to show it to people. Hmm. And there's this this little boat that goes around on the on the lake we have. And and one of the ideas I had was that we would go on that boat for like cocktail hour or something. I think we won't be able to do that because I can't make it happen while the, the boat is still, it's only sailing in the summer. So I just kind of thought like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something else we could do. I was like, hmm, a hike is like something, it's like pretty casual. And I think people have like pretty low expectations if they're expecting a hike. Like <laughs> it's easy to like surprise people, I guess. Yeah. Or like at least like yeah, I don't, people don't expect like fancy, whatever whiteboards or look a fancy like I don't know food or something. You know, I just kind of like yeah tweeted about it and then it blew up and now I'm trying to f- figure out what to do with it. <laughs> nice. And and I think what I'm gonna do with it is that this year is gonna be a, a tiny version of that and maybe mm-hmm. almost like a prototype just to see if the format works. Mm-hmm. So I was actually talking to the people that run my co-working space today here in town. And the woman that runs it, she's really good with event stuff. And she's a, she's a designer, so she knows how to like design experiences and stuff like that. And she loved the idea. And she wants more people to oh. come here as well. So she's basically like saying, yeah, I, I can help you do that. I can basically arrange everything for you. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be like, too much you know like if we need food and all that stuff it's gonna be like a real thing and she's like oh, no that's easy like we'll figure that out so um actually we're having a meeting about it tomorrow and oh, man. Uh, maybe this will actually happen in a month or something <laughs> like that yeah i i suddenly flashed uh, the fire festival documentary just went through my head <laughs> did, you, did you see that we're like i won't reveal too much but we might have uh basically like a forest meditation session already planned for this event with someone who knows how to do that so uh, it's definitely going to be something else (laughs) so Uh basically i think what it's going to be is like a bunch of people are going to show up at my co-working space on the train station so it's easy to get to and like have coffee and breakfast and then everyone gets like a lunch bag and then we go on a hike for the whole day and have like you know, it's workshops and stuff along the way then we get back and then maybe there'll be like a chef they'll prepare like a really nice barbecue dinner or something like that that is like that's the loose idea right now (laughs) this is amazing and then then we'll see how it goes i think i might have to make it invite only because there will be like very limited spots this year but i kind of think of it as like a prototype just to like test the idea i was talking to bjorn about it and he was thrilled about it and he's like dude like maybe just do a simple version because it's a shame if you don't do it and then i was like yeah, actually, maybe like you and I can just set a date and you can just agree. We can just agree that you'll come here on that date and go for a walk with me. And then that's already a thing. 
Yeah, yeah. It's there. You go. It's <laughs> that's amazing. It, it. I mean, it reminds me of. Uh, you're basically starting your own little nanoconf, if you will. But I, I like you coming up with a name for it here. Yeah, I need a name for it. I don't know what it is yet. Hiking. Something man. with hiking or trees or something. Mm-hmm. I like it. I don't know if I can make it this year, but I'll, I I anxiously await the blog post summary to hear how it went. The documentary? Yeah, exactly. It's, documentary. <laughs> it's like 1,100 people show up. How long were they in the forest? Yeah. <laughs> or that. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Way to open your mouth. Have fun with that now. Good. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow's launch day for Bjorn and I. So we're going to have a... Um, well, when this podcast goes out, it probably already out. But we're going to do like a big splash for all the stuff we shipped in the last few weeks or a month. And I'm stoked about it. I spend all weekend recording a video and writing up a blog post. And it's basically all the logic features that I've been talking about. And it's just really all like come together. I was telling Michelle today that like in the past, like when people ask, when I told people about Reform, they were always like, oh, that's cool. I guess like maybe I could use it for this use case. And I would always be like, nah, you know, like I'm not sure that's like the best use case. Like you'll probably run into some problems. Mm. But now it's more like, I really don't think there are many things we can't do. There's probably, like, if I think about it long enough, there's a way to hack something together for any use case, basically. That's how it feels, at least. I'll probably be proved wrong. But it's just like, it's so powerful to have that logic in place mm-hmm. and those building blocks. And it's just, it's, it's, it just feels good, you know? And, and it's not perfect. There are a lot of things that are still like awkward to do. Yeah, But I think the important thing is I always have the mindset of like, you know, if pe- it's kind of like the cow path you've been talking about. Like if people want to do something, they'll exactly. figure out a way to do it. But actually yep. with reform, there wasn't enough building blocks to hack something together. So right. they actually couldn't do that. But now there is. Mm-hmm. And I think that we will get a better idea of like which direction to go in when people can experiment more with the tool and we can kind of see what gets more traction so we shipped a ton of stuff for logic that's like really cool, like redirecting and putting values from like answers into the URL so you can pre-populate something. Nice. Uh, for example, like in the video, I show how you can redirect to a SavvyCal booking link and pre-populate the name and the email. That was kind of magic. Yeah, I like that. It was really Yeah, nice. that is like a little like kind of like magic trick, you know, that's kind of cool when you see it the first time. And it's just like Derek and I playing nice to- nicely together, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. Talking together programmatically. We shipped a few new block types as well, like a drop down, which is neat. So you don't have to put like all the countries in the world in like a long list <laughs> on your form, oh, for example. Yeah. You know, I have to say, to your credit, it's amazing how long you got away with not having that. I don't... Amazing or embarrassing? Well, it is amazing, actually, <laughs> because you, you, took a, you took a risk and it paid off in the sense that I don't know how many requests you got for it. But I was always like shocked that you didn't have that. But I guess people just worked around like, oh, I guess I don't need that field. I, I don't know what they did, but they just they just dealt with yeah. it. An amazing thing happened where for a long time ago, like we started talking about like, it'd be cool if you, like you could basically add a save button to a form, you know? So when you yeah. fill out like an application and you're halfway through and they're like, please upload a video of yourself. And you're like, wait, a video? Like I'm... I'm in my pajamas, like it's it's Sunday morning. And I thought I could like do this really quickly. Yeah. So you want to come back to it, but it just felt like an enormous feature. 
And then one day Bjorn, he was just like, I've been thinking about like saving progress. And what if we just like took all their answers in like one long string and saved it and put it in the URL, basically let them like pre-populate the URL, which we already support. And then I was like, I don't think that'll work because URLs can only be so long. And what if you have a long form? Mm-hmm. And then we were like, what if that string was just in the database then in like its own table so we don't really mess with anything and then he was like yeah then i could probably ship that in a day and and i guess i'd challenge him (laughs) to see if he could ship it in a day and he did it (laughs) that's so we wow it it was truly like it and i tweeted about this like it truly was like a steve jobs like wait but there's one more thing yeah (laughs) keynote (laughs) i couldn't believe you just snuck that in there i'm like watching this video and then you're like and then if you want to save your program, like I've been, I thought we were talking about this for like a year. How? And it's <laughs> like, it's actually like a pretty polished feature because it, but it's very simple. Like behind the scenes, it's just like a big, you know, JSON blob of all the stuff you've typed in. And we just store that in like one table in the database and we can mm-hmm. just pull that out again with like a secret token. And you can start from where you left off. And I think we're even going to show those drafts in the UI which is something you want when you're having like an application flow and you see someone who's like really promising fill out yeah. half the form and then they churn <laughs> basically. So you yeah. want that kind of like abandoned form yes. <laughs> workflow, you know? Absolutely. And 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 you can kind of do that manually then. So yeah, pretty exciting exciting. So we're launching all that tomorrow. Because we're launching it, I was like, what would make it like more of a launch? It's like maybe we could have a deal. Cause it worked well when we launched last year that we had a launch deal and we just had it for a year or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I think it'd be nice if we had something that was more like time limited. So we decided to do a big deal. We're basically giving the $15 a month plan away for, well, we're doing an annual deal for that at $99, which is a pretty big discount. Mm -hmm. And so the annual deal is normally 150 and we're making it 99 and we're going to have it open for seven days. So there's like, a big incentive to like, if you think that you might need reform in the next year, you can yeah. get it now pretty cheap. Right, right, and right. Then you'll have it, you know. And I think a lot of people like to like have it for when they need mm-hmm. it. That's a, yeah, that's really good. I could see that being. I mean, companies do this all the time. You, there's a certain time of year where it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, we have buyers. We know they're waiting. Let's incentivize them to do it now because they might not do it at all if we don't. And yeah, that seems smart. Worth a try. Yeah. And like if we can convert like 1% of the list to like buy that deal basically, mm-hmm. it's almost like another month of runway that we're getting. So it's definitely, it definitely feels like it's worth it to try at least. Mm-hmm. And it's not a lot of work you know, to figure out a discount code and, and promote that on the site. So yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that works. And a lot of people will take us up on that offer. After after well kind of like the next step that we're working towards is having integration integrations with crm systems hmm. we're talking to do two different crms right now that are pretty eager actually to to have an integration with a form tool like reform and especially i think with all the like logic that we have right now derek calls it routing because it kind of is what it is in in the kind of like sales use case you mm-hmm. use the form 
well, someone would call it choose your own adventure. <laughs> kind of depends on how you see it, but it's also yeah. like a router, you know, for like basically scoring leads and sending them in <laughs> off in different directions. Right. And that's like a big thing when you're getting people into your CRM system, like they needed to be treated differently. And so integration means a lot of different things. Help me picture what you mean by, yeah, this. Yeah. So for example, if you're, if you have a form in your website, that's like, let's talk, you know, (laughs) someone who wants a demo or wants to know more. And, and on that form, you're asking them like, how many employees do you have? Or, you know, is your CRM Notion or is it HubSpot or Salesforce? And then based on those answers, you kind of get an idea of like, okay, if they have one employee and they're using Notion, maybe they just get like the pre-recorded demo. If they're using Salesforce and they have 500 employees, they get like the VIP booking link in Savvy Cal that's like, (laughs) we're available (laughs) 24-7 whenever you need us. Um, And you get to talk to Steve and he'll close this deal, you know? So for this... You talked about a CRM integration though, right? So would that mean that that data, what does that mean for the CRM? Yeah, you want those leads in your CRM system. And this might be the first point of contact. So Reform will just basically take everything they put in the form and on top of like routing them through like a certain workflow, it'll also like just drop them as a contact in your CRM system. Okay, got it. Yeah, I, I don't remember for sure, but I remember trying out Salesforce way back in the day, like when Salesforce was not a, nowhere near being a public company and early on. And I feel like them and maybe HubSpot and others, you could go to some place on their page or in their web app and like grab a form that you could use to make sure stuff got into your CRM or something. I don't know. It was like yeah. magic. Okay. Got it. So marketing site, tasteful form, but it ends up inside the CRM. I mean, that's that's great. Like the next, that's really nice. But it might also be like, for example, like Ruben on his lead form on his website for Signwell, mm-hmm. he asks the leads for like if they need certain features, if they need access to that. And he's like partly using that to like score them, but he's also just using that information to like ask some extra questions. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that Reform is really good at now is like, yeah given this, uh, uh, ask them that, you know? Right, right. Doing cool. this conditional logic. And okay. so having integrations with those CRM systems is going to be really big, I think. And and they're also, both of them are like, we're basically planning like co-promotion activities around launching an integration with them. So there's a, like a pretty big like carrot basically for getting this done for Bjorn and I. And it's just a, a perfect fit with the features that we just shipped. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about this kind of new direction. I think it's just a good a good focus area for us, or like a good bet to make, basically. But there is one more thing, because one of the problems with this is basically re- reforms are not made to be styled very much right now. Kind of like our design approach is keeping it as minimal po- as possible. And then the kind of like the idea is that when you get to add your own brand color and logo, it kind of feels like your own, even though it's not your design, but it's so neutral that it's it kind of feels like yours, almost like a, a business card or something like that. The problem with that is it doesn't always look very good when you embed it on a website because it looks different than your website. Mm-hmm. And it's always been something that's kind of been difficult to know what to do about. Yeah. And, and one solution in my head has always been maybe we just had like a, he- a headless version where we just gave people HTML and then they just 
basically post to our backend, but they kind of take care of the UI. But the, the challenging thing about that is like very often reforms are not just one page. Like there's the, you know, there's several pages in the form. Maybe there's like a confirmation page. Sometimes there's a redirect and like, how is all that handled? Mm. And, and that's just like been difficult for me to kind of like grok basically. Mm. But what I kind of like an idea had the other day was what if it was only the first page that was headless and then that's basically just like the entry point into the reform flow. So I asked Bjorn, like, can you like just like go and figure out how hard it would be to just allow people to take any form and just add reform as like the post action in the HTML of that form and then just you know, adding the right names to the form fields, of course, and then if the data would get into re- reform, but only for the first page. And and it, in like an hour, he was like, yeah, that works, basically with like a small <laughs> tweak. And MacGyver. I think this is bigger than I originally realized because, yeah, when I just told it to Derek, he was like, oh, it's almost like a headless router because <laughs> he calls it routing. And it kind of is, it's like you can add a form really easily in like Webflow or WordPress or whatever you're using and you're basically just posting to reform. So the first page is on your website, but then they go into this reform flow, which might be using, you know, a ton of different logic or integrations. So all of a sudden, like you have a simple form on your website, but you have like access to all the logic there's in reform so you can show them extra pages with extra questions based on what they picked. You could redirect them to something like SavvyCal or Calendly. And, and like you can hook up integrations. So it ends up in Notion or Google Sheets. Like you get access to all the benefits of using something like Reform or like email notifications, all this stuff. But you just put like a simple form on your website. And I think it's solving like a really big part of this problem. Like I don't, I think in many cases, if the form that's on your website is, is like, perfectly like fits into your design but then once someone clicks it they get redirected to like a reform somewhere else i think in a ver- like a large amount of use cases that's probably fine you know yeah. if you if you submit like a demo request form on someone's websites on someone's website it's not weird that you end up in like a different system that's kind of what you expect anyways oh yeah yeah i can't wait to see this because the number of use cases kind of explodes yeah, and what I kind of been just like realizing recently is like, in many ways, forms are just like the entry point into a lot of different processes or like, but also like no code flows. So like that initial form is just like a way to kind of like start the process. And yep. very often it's like, it's like a qualifier almost, especially like in sales use cases. The first one is like, are you big or small, you know? Yep, <laughs> yeah. I think the most interesting thing is for me at least is going to be seeing what's like the use case, the one use case that's like out there in the wild already being done where you can do what you just said. And yeah. And that is that use case with sales, I think. Yeah. I, so well, and I mean like find a customer that's, that wants to take you up on that, like ASAP yeah. and yeah. kind of let them get their heads around it and yeah. sort of, realize like wait a minute okay if we can do that then we can do these things which will teach you some stuff but then find a pattern in that and see if there's not you know a thousand other companies that would want to do the same thing 
that feels bigger in the way that I've kind of always sort of philosophically felt or hoped for reform. It's like, it's not just a cleaner, better form of some kind. There's like something new. It seems like differentiation is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So the cool thing is just that like you add a simple form to your website and then you have the reform UI to like build out all this logic, which is like, I hope a good experience. And it's something you don't need a programmer to do. And Michelle, when we were on a walk today, she had a good point that often case in like marketing teams, for example, they actually have developers. Mm. But in sales teams, they rarely do. And if they do, they're more like sales engineers. But they're not really trained to like build forms on a website. They're they're trained to like know Oracle or something, you know? Right, right. Some Salesforce integration or something. Or to know yeah. the customer's stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. They're like very like domain specific mm-hmm. types of engineers. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. And 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 without saying too much, I will say that I do have a potential customer in mind for this. And it's also a customer that might potentially be able to bring me a lot of other customers with the same use case. It's fantastic. If we if we can nail it. So I am actually pretty excited about this direction. I know a few months ago we were excited about the ConvertKit integration direction i still think that's good i think it's much more a freemium play than this is okay and i think we're getting yeah. a lot of convert kit signed up still we don't have like an amazing conversion uh, rate to paid right now with them but i'm honestly that that also felt like a good bet this just feels like a better bet and a bigger bet and it sounds like it's right around the corner yeah it's great and i will say one thing about the save progress feature that brings us very m- much closer to solve like applications basically. And I, I do know someone who pays $500 a month for application software that they don't like, and they really <laughs> want to use reform instead. So it's definitely, definitely moving closer to oh, the money yeah. with these features. Right, right. Application, right. So somebody's applying for something, right. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Like a job or a grant or whatever. Like sure. different, That's really a lot cool. of different like types of applications, you know? Super cool. Nice, man. This is, feels very uh, new world, man. Yeah, it's maybe exciting. we'll have a good positioning story soon. I think you will. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, I do think you are a positioning adjustment away from the pull you're looking for, but you're finding out what it is right now, which is, has to come first. So that's great. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, good chatting again. Yeah, good catching up. Talk to you later. Thank you. All right, buddy. See ya. Bye.